Welcome to Drinks at the Doll, episode 18, DragonCon 2013. You're listening to Drinks at the Doll, a podcast waystation for Lost Girl fans. I'm your host, Stephanie. And I'm Chris. And today we're going to be talking about Dragon Con 2013. Just to start with a little background on Dragon Con, it is one of the largest fan-run conventions in the world. It has about 50,000 attendees yearly, and it, has, it covers topics like sci-fi, fantasy, animation, pop culture, and more. There's about 35 tracks of different programming, and it has some of the, it's really known for its cosplaying and the, the different costumes that people wear to Dragon Con. And we did see some crazy, crazy things. And this was both of our first time going to Dragon Con. That was actually my second convention, fan convention to go to ever. And I must say, it was pretty, pretty intense, Dragon Con. <laughs> it, I went to Comic Palooza back in May, and that one was in Houston, a convention center in Houston, Texas. And so, you know, you had to go up and down between floors, and it was a pretty long walk from one end to the other, but it, everything was all in the same place. But the way that DragonCon is organized is it's the programming is split between five. Is it five hotels? Yes, it is. Five hotels and the America's Mart, which is attached to the Westin. Right. So five different hotels. They're all pretty close together, but still five different buildings you had to navigate through. And then a couple of times, well, I guess just once we had to actually wait outside in line to get into a panel. And we were really not that far back in line, were we? Uh, no, but it felt like we were. Because there's right. a whole matter of like going outside and going, I forget if we went up or downstairs that time. And then, uh, like around the corner of the building. And so we were, we were getting a little worried as we were walking along. But yeah, we were not that far back. No, I think when we finally filed into the room, we were probably about the sixth row back from the front. So, or maybe, maybe more like 10, but still not very far back at all. But it felt like we were just, oh my gosh, are we going to make it in? I have no idea. But anyway, so that was, that was a little interesting standing outside waiting for panels in the August slash September Atlanta humidity. That was fun. And it is the humidity. It's, it's not the heat. The heat was actually okay, but boy, was it humid. You and 50,000 of your closest friends sweating together. <laughs> so as far as Lost Girl at Dragon Con this year, Zoe Palmer was supposed to come, but she was not able to make it, sadly. But we still had Chris Holden-Reed, Paul Amos, and Casey Collins in attendance. And they did three Q&A panels over the course of the weekend. And we have heard from people who went to a, probably more programming than we did. Apparently, the Lost Girl panels were, were some of the highlights of people's weekends. So good job on those three guys, you know, doing good panels on. I know KC and Paul, this is really their first convention. And what a debut it was. <laughs> Especially for Paul. That guy is, oh, he's so wacky. Okay, let's start with Friday, because there was also just, besides the cast Q&A panels, there were some other Lost Girl events going on. And... On Friday, we had a Lost Girl meet and greet. It was more of an informal type of gathering where fans just sort of, it ended up being more of a group chat, but we, we just sort of chatted about the show and different aspects of the show that we liked and what we thought about this and that. We met a couple people there that we kept running into over the weekend, so that was fun. I think we have to shout out Cindy here. Yes, we do have to shout out Cindy, who I'd only really seen her name on Twitter. I think maybe I'd 
interact with her a couple of times, but she was just so sweet and so friendly, and we ended up spending a lot of time with her over the weekend, and she's super nice. So yay for Cindy. Yay, Cindy. We did talk to Cindy for like an hour or something after the meet and greet. And then later that day on Friday, there was a Lost Girl fan panel, which I was a panelist on. And thank you to people who came to that one. There were wasn't a whole lot of people who came, but there were more than I expected. I was I was going to be shocked if there were more than 10 people, but there was probably about, I don't know, 30 to 40, maybe. So thank you for people who came to that one. I was actually surprised there weren't more people, but okay. Well, it was Friday. That's true. And from, from what I can tell, Fridays tend to be, Fridays and Mondays tend to be a little less crazy than the Saturday and Sunday. Very true. Okay, so that that's a fair assessment for somebody who's only gone to two cons? Yeah, I think so. It, well, Sunday's, well, but see, Dragon Con's odd, because Monday is the Sunday of Dragon Con, so that sentence makes no sense. But, but anybody <laughs> who's been knows what I mean, because, yeah, usually conventions end on a Sunday, and Sundays are usually pretty, pretty relaxed at conventions. So the fan panel... I tried to record the fan panel, but my this was my first time really using my digital recorder out in the field. It didn't turn out super great. But Kevin Batchelder, who was also a panelist, and he has a Lost Girl podcast as well called The Fay Files, he made a recording that turned out much better. And we will post a link to that recording in the show notes for this episode. You may have listened to it already. I, I posted a link a little earlier last week. Yes, well, you were a panelist. I was an audience member. I think Kevin was sort of teasing me because I actually sat down in the front row and it's like, good place for heckling, right? Wasn't that what he said? Was that what he I don't Something remember. Something like that. I know he was encouraging you to, whenever I was talking, to just give me this really skeptical look so I would <laughs> doubt what I was saying, <laughs> which is why I tried not to look at you the entire time. <laughs> Though you did occasionally when there were... When other people were talking, I would look at you. <laughs> You'd give me sort of a quizzical look occasionally, but which I thought was amusing. You posed a question to the panel, which amused me because you were talking about how some people thought that Bo was possibly aging faster or had thrown that out as a possibility. And I'm like, some people, that was me. <laughs> was that you? Yes. Oh, okay. I ta- I'm sorry. I forgot. <laughs> I talked about it, about it too. I think, I don't know, two or three times over the past several months. I'm pretty sure I brought it up during the 12 and a half or 13 hour car ride. Well, that was just a blur at that point. That's probably true. It's amazing that you're still speaking to me, actually. I'm <laughs> It's a good sign for our friendship that you <laughs> that you're still speaking to me after 25 hours in the car together. So, I'm sorry I didn't give you credit when I mentioned that theory. That was fine. <laughs> I just listening to it again because I'd forgotten that you asked it because I I listened to it before we were started recording this. I'd forgotten that you said it and I was like, "Some people that that was me. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you've maybe you've heard it from other people too. I'm sorry that nobody was interested in talking about that possibility at all. <laughs> everybody was just like either either it was a no, or it was a no. They haven't thought about it. Yeah, I was hoping I was trying to get some conversation going about that because I think it's maybe an interesting possibility. But people were just not interested in talking about that for some reason, which is, which is fine. But it was just kind of funny. It's like, wow, that went nowhere. <laughs> it really did. <laughs> I am never being asked to be a panelist again. <laughs> and now I won't be either, because they knew that came from me. <laughs> well, they wouldn't have known if you just hadn't just told them. Well, I wasn't thinking about it. I don't know. Have you heard that from anyone else? Or was it just me that you just forgot it was me? 
I feel like I have, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just the the three times I've talked about it <laughs> exactly. to you. <laughs> and I think you're three different people. Well, we have been watching a lot of Orphan Black recently. Maybe I'm starting to think you're clones. <laughs> that would explain a lot. So again, thank you to people who came out for the fan panel. I really appreciate it. And I should I should mention that at the fan meetup, there was some Lost Girl cosplayers there. I think we had a Bo, a Vex, a Kenzie, and a Lauren. And then the Bo, who was at the fan meetup, was at, was also one of the panelists on the panel, Stephanie Stowers. I was really impressed with Stephanie's costume. She came in Bo's costume from Flesh and Blood with the red jacket and the big, big sword. And I believe Kenzie was dressed from that episode as well. I think her outfit was from that episode, but I could be wrong. I have a bad memory for for outfits. The the part that cracked me up was Stephanie actually talked to me on Monday. And it took me a second to recognize that it was her. (laughs) Me too. Because she was not in costume. Which is funny because her, her hair is a different color, but it's not all that different. But it really took me a minute to realize who she was. Because she just asked me, oh, she was sitting next to me even. I sat down and was sitting there for probably a good five or ten minutes, having no idea that I was sitting next to somebody who I'd met before. And then she turned to me and was like, so how's your con been? And I think, this person's being very familiar with me. Have I met them? (laughs) Oh! (laughs) See, I had an advantage because she actually, because you were still taking care of something elsewhere. So I sat down and and she turned to me and, oh, is Stephanie coming? (laughs) So I knew she knew us. Right. Wait a second. If I squint a little bit, imagine more eyeliner. Oh, wait, it's Stephanie. (laughs) So it was very nice meeting, meeting Stephanie. I'm hoping she's going to be a guest on the show here in the future to talk about wardrobe and stuff, because obviously she has an eye for that. And I can't remember what episode Kenzie wore what outfit in. So she'll be better at it than I am. So that was pretty much it for Friday. And then on Saturday, we had the first cast Q&A panel, which pretty much began with Paul Amos launching his shirt into the crowd. So (laughs) you knew you were in for a good time. Oh, boy. He would actually mentioned before that the first person in line to see them at Dragon Con would get that shirt was what he had, I think, tweeted before the convention. So I I knew what was going on, at least, (laughs) with him like whipping his shirt off. And he had a shirt on underneath. He had a tank top sort of undershirt on underneath. But still. We should clarify that for those who have not seen video. <laughs> um, unlike Chris Holden Reed, he did not spend the entire. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I don't remember. I don't think Chris took his shirt off in that panel. I think it was in the subsequent panel. Yeah, it he was, took his shirt off. It was Sunday. Yeah. Sunday, I think. So as far as the content of the panels, I was surprised there wasn't more specifically lost girl questions asked. There was a lot of more general questions about acting and what kind of fae would you be, that sort of thing. But I thought there was some interesting stuff that was revealed in the Saturday panel. Probably the most interesting was that Casey and Paul mentioned that there was originally a different actress playing Lauren. Somebody else did a little sleuthing on the internet and they found an old announcement about Lost Girl before it came out that mentioned that it starred Anna Silk, Chris Holden-Reed, Ksenia Solo, and Sarah Allen, who is also a blonde actress. So perhaps this is the mystery actress who was originally hired to play Lauren. And I must admit, I kind of feel like I was lied to. (laughs) Because you were lied to. (laughs) Well, 
I don't know that I was necessarily lied to, but at, at Comic Palooza, I had asked Chris Holden Reed and Zoe Palmer why in Vexed, which was the original pilot of Lost Girl, why Lauren and Bo's scenes were filmed much later because it was very obvious from the length of Anna's hair and just sort of the look of the those scenes in particular that they had been filmed at a different time. And they had told me that it they were refilmed because there was a problem with the film. And I guess the problem with the film was there was a completely different actress on the film. <laughs> but no, I shouldn't say that. They could have also had a problem with the film as well, but that's kind of what I was getting at, guys. <laughs> uh, but now we know. Thank, thank you, Casey and Paul, for, for getting the truth out there. <laughs> unlike Chris. <laughs> unlike Chris. Not me, the other one. <laughs> Another part of Saturday's panel that I thought was kind of a good question is somebody asked Casey Collins how he felt about playing a male siren, given that sirens are traditionally female. And... I liked his answer because he's like, oh, no, I have no problem at all. Pause. To tell you the truth, I had no idea that there were no male (laughs) sirens when I took the job. (laughs) Oh, Casey. Casey's so sweet, you guys. Oh, he is. He's a very sweet man. Oh, we should talk about Casey's entrance, by the way, on on Saturday. yeah. I'm sad I didn't get a better picture of it because we actually had a good vantage point. As they were getting introduced, Carol, who was the the track director for the Urban Fantasy programming track, introduced... Did she introduce Paul first? That's right, because he came out and threw his shirt. But then Chris introduced KC, and then they looked very confused. And then from where we were sitting, which was sort of over to the side of, of the stage, but where we were, we could see doing a belly crawl up to the table was KC Collins, just moving right along. You know, again, I wish I'd gotten a better picture. I didn't have my phone out to take the picture as he was doing it, but I did get a picture of his feet going behind the table. And then he sort of jumped up from behind the table. It was... Oh, no. He stuck his head through the curtains underneath the table first. Actually, I think I might have a picture of that. A very blurry picture. And then he came back out and, like, popped up from behind the table. It was very amazing. Arms outstretched. As as Paul and Chris looked a little confused about what he was doing. (laughs) So I think he might have beat Paul Amos's entrance when he threw off his shirt. Maybe that's what he was going for. I think so. They, I think he was trying to top Paul. There, There is a certain level of competitiveness I, I detect there, yes. Among the three of them. Another comment that I thought was interesting from the Saturday panel is that Chris and Paul mentioned that they were starting a theater company together in Toronto. With uh, Zoe, right? I, yeah, I think they mentioned that Zoe would be one of the performers in the play, but and that Paul was going to direct, and then Chris and Zoe and another actor, I think Greg... Burke. Breck? Burke was was also going to be a featured performer. And then another thing from Saturday the la- uh, was that Chris was talking a little bit about the triangle, and it seems like he's been, at least recently, when, when talking about the triangle, he often goes to joking about threesomes. So it was it was interesting to hear him talk a little more seriously on it. And he mentioned that he felt like Lost Girl had really been groundbreaking in its portrayal of relationships. And he would like to see the triangle resolve itself, not really in a she, pick, she picks one or the other type of resolution, but maybe something different. So we had mentioned a few episodes ago in the Dyson episode this this idea of a team both solution. So it sounded like Chris was maybe more team both than team Dyson. Yes, or team threesome. 
As they've been talking about, as you've said. Though personally, on just a personal preference of mine, I'm really not interested in seeing a threesome between Bo Dyson and Lauren. I just think that would be all kinds of awkward. <laughs> oh, I agree. That's what I'm saying is, you know, both in that sense is, is more acceptable to me. In the Sunday panel, some comments that I thought were kind of interesting is Paul Amos. By the way, I was very sort of surprised by Paul Amos, and I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't say it that way, but I was happy that he was coming, but since he plays Vex, who isn't, he's, he's an important character, but he's not in really that many episodes. So I was kind of worried that he might not get a lot of questions or not be able to answer a lot of questions. But I was really kind of pleased. He gave these really thoughtful answers. Like he was still kind of funny and silly and joking around, obviously, but he, he gave really thoughtful answers. So thank you, Paul Amos, for, for your thoughtful answers. Thoughtful answers when he heard the question. <laughs> He, I don't know, maybe he has attention problems, but he was just not hearing questions that people were asking. <laughs> but anyway, so in the in the Sunday panel, Paul Amos, he made this uh, very interesting comment about how he feels like the sci-fi genre really opens up the avenue to tell really inclusive stories, which C Chris Holden-Reed gave him a hard time about the fact that it's always done that. You just start work watching. But I, I did appreciate that they... They made that comment because I, I do think that sci that Lost Girl, not all sci-fi shows do, but I do think Lost Girl is one of those sci-fi fantasy shows that really does use its creatures and this and that and the other to, to tell really inclusive stories. There's actually a, a quote that's been going around the internet, and I think it was Jane Espenson, something about why bother creating new worlds with giving them all the, old, all the limitations of the old ones. I also thought it was interesting that Paul Amos talked about how especially when Vex first appeared, is you really had to earn Vex. He wasn't a character that you would want to see in every episode. And how Vex having kind of a character art where in the first season he's a very evil character, and now in this third season he's become a little more humanized through this relationship with Kenzie. And then I think Casey also said this in Saturday's panel, but it was sweet to hear that he really wanted Kenzie and Hale to get together. <laughs> Oh, Casey. I feel like Casey's maybe a secret romantic, but maybe I'm just projecting. Oh, I think that's fair. And then finally, we had Monday's panel. And I actually asked a question at this panel. I asked about the dawning and how much of what we see in the dawning in regards to Dyson and Bo was shaped by Dyson's desires, just because I had a conversation with somebody not that long ago, and she had a very different take on that than I did, so I kind of wanted to get Chris's take as well. So I was... I was interested to hear that he felt like that was completely shaped by Dyson, that that whole scenario was really what Dyson wanted for himself and Bo. And I am glad that you asked that, because uh, I have also seen a lot of sort of debate over the situation in the dawning, and it is nice to get some clarification from somebody actually from the show. Right. And obviously, it's a very surreal episode. So it's probably Chris's interpretation just as much as it's our interpretation. But since he was inhabiting Dyson, I, I was happy to hear his perspective. Yes. Also in Monday's panel, Paul Amos, he talked about, <laughs> again, sort of Vex's journey. Oh, and we should say. I was gonna say. <laughs> 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 Sorry, we should say that Paul Amos, 
he had been joking that he was going to cosplay as Zoe Palmer because Zoe couldn't come to Dragon Con. And finally, on Monday's panel, he did. He actually borrowed a wig and a lab coat from, from Stephanie, the beau cosplayer we mentioned, and came into money, to Monday's panel dressed in, in the wig and the, in the, and the lab coat, and he wore it the entire time. I really thought he would ta- at least take off the wig after a few minutes, uh-huh. but no, he he did it the entire time. So kudos to Paul Amos for really sticking it out. <laughs> and I believe Chris did introduce him as Dr. Lauren Lewis. He did, he did. <laughs> and I, 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 I liked that later on, somebody asked, oh, what fey power would you have if, have if you could have one? And he, he said, I would like Zoe Palmer's sexual energy. <laughs> It wasn't as good as having Zoe there, but it was nice to see her represented in a strange way. <laughs> he did keep flipping that blonde wig, too. He did. He was trying to get the hair flipped down. I don't know that he quite quite ever managed it, but he, he made a valiant effort. Paul, obviously talking about Vex again in the Monday panel, he mentioned that he felt like part of the reason Vex was so evil in the first season, why he was so... It's reference that he just really thinks very little of humans and just uses them for whatever he wants. He felt like Vex really hadn't been around humans, really hadn't lived around humans until he started living with Kenzie and Bo. And that relation, developing that relationship with Kenzie was really what opened up kind of a softer side to Vex. So I thought that was an interesting, interesting thing to consider about, about Vex. I, I think it would be curious to to see a flashback or some sort of background information about Vex. Agreed. I, I think that's an excellent answer, a very thoughtful answer. And now imagine him saying that wearing the blonde wig. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris Holden Reed gave a bit of a spoiler. He mentioned that in, early on in season four, in like the first few episodes, there was going to be a relationship kind of tangent that was created just for that one episode and kind of an alternate reality type of situation. And that that episode was really in response to fans saying, oh, we really want this couple, blah, 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 blah. But maybe it wasn't something the writers really had in mind long term, or maybe it's just something that's a little, I don't know, maybe a little strange. So I'm curious, do you have any ideas, Chris, what that that relationship might be that they might explore in that episode? Oh, I think we all have ideas, Stephanie. (laughs) Well, okay, then what are your ideas, Chris? Well, let's see. Possible... Possible answers to this this question. Obviously, there's there's Valkybus. So Bo and Tamsin. Let's see. Dyson and Kenzie have, I, I think, a, a significant following. But again, yes. not necessarily any indication from the show that we're ever actually going to see that. So Yeah, there's a lot more set up for Kenzie and Hale as romantic relationship than there is for Kenzie and Dyson. Exactly. So it does seem like those, I think, are the... The leading theories for... What about wolf pants? <laughs> I suppose that is... Uh, yeah, that does exist, but... Uh, do, we, do, do we think Dyson and Lauren might happen? I don't know how I feel about that, but I don't know. That's maybe a possibility. I suppose it could be, but I, I still think the other two have more of a fandom presence, I'm going to say. I agree. I feel like those are probably the two two strongest possibilities at this point. Yes. And then kind of a final comment that Chris made from Monday's panel that I thought was interesting is he talked about how he really didn't like how so often the point of the episode was to kill a fae because as he playing, you know, himself playing a fae, 
I'm killing my own kind. Is this really okay? And I thought that was I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. So maybe they do need to set up an SPC Fay or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did but there. Um, <laughs> I said that just so I could make that joke. <laughs> oh dear. So those were some of the comments from the panels that I thought were were interesting and kind of noteworthy. There are is going to be links to the different panels in the show notes for this episode. Most of, two of the panels have been put on YouTube sort of in their entirety. One of the panels, the Saturday panel, has bro- was broken up into three videos because that panel from Saturday, it took the longest to kind of appear online. I actually posted the audio recording that I made, audio recording that I made of that panel on the Drinks at the Doll account. And so I'll put a, a link t- to both of those because I watched the videos of the Saturday panel and Casey's kind of difficult to hear in certain parts. So if you're really just interested in in what they said versus what they did, though they did do some really funny things, it's worth watching the videos. <laughs> oh, dear. Those guys, there was some discussion among those of us who were there. It's like, as entertaining and fun as it's been, like... How would Zoe's presence have changed the dynamic? We're all a little curious. Right, because Zoe, while she's just as funny as any of those guys, has a lot more calmer demeanor most of the time. Which I think Chris actually commented on during one of the panels. He's like, we need Zoe here with her cool, sarcastic aside or whatever it was that he said. (laughs) Right, because she has a much drier wit while the the other three were more goofy. And here we forgot to mention during a... I think it was Sunday's panel. There was all the demonstrating that was going on, which was pretty entertaining also. Yeah, Sunday's panel was probably the wackiest because you had Casey. And she's saying this, keeping in mind that on Monday, Paul was dressed up as as Lauren. I know, I know. (laughs) But Sunday's was the wackiest. Sunday's was the wackiest because you had Casey. He did a couple different demonstrations, one where he he put like an X made of tape upon the curtain behind the behind the de- the table they were sitting at and pointed at it and was like, that is a dragon. We have to react to that. Well, because so Chris was talking about having to react to a dragon that's not there. So so Casey was demonstrating for him. And so then they all got up and pretended to react to the dragon. <laughs> and then, was it the same? Yeah, I guess it was the same day. Casey tried to demonstrate a pickup line that Chris kind of helped him out with and, you know, tucked his shirt up so that... <laughs> Like it was a halter top. I think Chris was so exhausted on Sunday. He was just, because I was re-listening to that panel and I was thinking, wow, Chris probably would have spent the entire time talking about genitalia had he not been put on a leash to a certain extent. That is true. And he, he makes he makes a lot of genitalia he references. He really did. It was pretty bad. Also during that one was when Casey, I think they got a question about what it was like working with Ksenia. He actually stood up and, and had Paul stand up with him. And he's he's like, okay, I'm I'm being Ksenia. And then he sort of starts shifting Paul around, explaining that she's always trying to find her light. <laughs> Which is why she always looks so fantastic on the show. <laughs> right. So she, he's like, you know, pushing Paul behind him. <laughs> because Ksenia's trying to find her light. But yeah, so we had, you know, we had all the demonstrations from KC and Sunday's panel. And then we also had Paul who left the stage twice during the course of the panel. And the second time he, it was practically to the end of the panel. So he actually came into the audience and sat at one of the chairs and just kind of hung out there for a while. (laughs) And then he started shouting for them to, to take off their shirts. 
And so then Chris <laughs> asked them, asked for security to remove him. And somebody did. Yes. And then he showed back up, standing in line for, for the, the question line, you know, where you stand to ask the question into the microphone. And, and he asked them, <laughs> go ahead and tell them what he asked them. I really, I really love the show. And, and where did you guys train? Because <laughs> <laughs> see, all weekend he'd been talking about how, well, I forget, I think Chris actually brought it up first that he was a Lambda trained actor. Yes, and he, apparently he's the only trained actor on the cast, and so just jokingly, throughout the weekend, Paul Amos kept bringing up the fact that he was the only trained actor on the, the set. The Lambda-trained actor. <laughs> I, I feel like I should also mention, I think it was also Sunday that Casey actually, like, Chris and Paul got so bad that Casey apologized for them. <laughs> he did! He did! He did apologize. Casey was probably the closest we got to Zoe of the three of them. He was he was a little more trying to be on task and actually answer people's questions, <laughs> though still being goofy. That poor guy got so embarrassed, though. I know. I gotta say, because I want to put this out there, Casey, we, we support you not wanting to take off your shirt. If you don't want to do it, you shouldn't do it. <laughs> Agreed. Poor, poor Casey. Because they kept... Uh, they yeah they kept teasing him to take off your shirt and getting the crowd to chant take off your shirt but we support you casey you do not have to take off your shirt if you do not want to we we respect your your bodily integrity as an individual so that that's it for the panels as far as our reflections again you can go and watch them slash listen to them Uh, there will be links to those in the show notes for this episode episode 18 and then we didn't really talk to the guys much when they were signing autographs we when we went over there chris wasn't there so we didn't talk to chris one-on-one but we did chat with paul and casey who are both very nice very very nice and i was so amused because uh going up to paul paul was actually i think finishing talking to whoever was in line before us so he's sort of standing behind the table and so I sort of moved over once the other person had left. And like, the first thing Paul does is he like stretches out his arms across the table to me. <laughs> so I, I don't remember if I actually said it or if I was just thinking it, but I think I might have actually said, oh, okay. <laughs> and so, you know, went in for the hug because he was, he was reaching for me. It was pretty funny. So I was, I was greeted, greeted with a hug by Paul. And I like, I asked Casey about Hale's sort of change in wardrobe in season three because he went from Hale's more casual attire to the suits. And he was saying, man, I just, I hated those suits. I felt like such an asshole wearing them. <laughs> so, I mean, he looked great in the suits. He did. I, I actually, that was the, the picture I had him sign was, was him in one of his fancy suits. And so he's like, ah, the ash. That's what he said as he signed it. And I actually said to him, well, you look good. But then he's, well, thank you. <laughs> so yeah, he looked good in the suits, but I actually really like Hale's more casual attire too. So I, I would be, I would be just as happy to see him go back to that in season four. Which I believe you did tell him. <laughs> I think you also asked him if he missed his hats. I did ask him if he missed his hats, and I think he said yes. He did say yes, and then you asked him if his head got drafty. <laughs> So thank you so much to Paul Amos, Casey Collins, and Chris Holden-Reed for being such entertaining guests at Dragon Con. It was really lovely to see all of you and to get to meet Casey and Paul. Chris, thank you so much for being a trooper. 
I, he wasn't feeling well on Sunday afternoon. He just he basically flew directly from set to Atlanta and pretty much didn't sleep Saturday night, it seemed like. So thank you for being a trooper and sticking it out. Yeah, there was actually, I think Ksenia tweeted a picture of him on set late Friday night. I remember being in Atlanta and looking at the picture. I'm like, shouldn't you be on your way here or sleeping or something? But but no, directly from set to the airport, apparently. And then he had to leave directly from the Monday panel to go back to the airport. So they must really be busy on set these days. So it seems. And I also wanted to say, you know, while it was great meeting Chris and Paul, and I also got a picture with Christine Sutherland, Buffy's mom. I got kind of emotional about that. It was very cute, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was really great getting to meet other fans in person. I was really excited to get to meet Kevin. He and I have kind of been communicating by email and, and, and things like that for a while now. So it was great to meet Kevin. Like we said, it was great to meet Cindy. We had a lovely dinner with her and Joe on Sunday evening. And who else did we meet? We met a lot of great people. Oh, Stephanie. It was great meeting Stephanie. You met Sabrina. Sabrina. Yes. And then there were the people whose names I didn't get because we were just randomly talking to them in, like, the halls. But yeah, everybody was really friendly. So it was great meeting all of you. It was, you know, thank you to the listeners who came up and said, hey, I listened to your podcast. That made me really excited. So thanks. Thanks to all of the people we met that made Dragon Con a really fun time, I think. That, that was really the best part was getting to talk to other people who liked it as much as we do. And if I didn't say it earlier, thank you to the people who recorded the Lost Girl cast panels and posted them on YouTube. I do not own a video camera, so the best I could do was audio recording, but these guys were just so goofy, you really have to see the panels in order to fully appreciate them. I've posted a playlist of the videos of the panels in the show notes for this episode, episode 18, at drinksatthedoll.com. I've also posted some photos of the event, courtesy of CindyB1017 on Twitter. Thank you for sharing those, Cindy. Next week's episode is going to be a half-pint episode in our Lost Girl vs. Buffy series talking about Lauren. And the following week, our series about the main characters of Lost Girl resumes with a discussion about Tamsin. We are still looking for guest contributors for our upcoming episodes about Hale and Vex and the Morgan. If you're interested in being a contributor on one of those episodes, there will be more information in the show notes. And even if you're not interested in being a contributor, we would love to hear your feedback. Did you attend Dragon Con 2013? Did you have any fun or silly interactions with Paul or Chris or Casey? You can leave a comment and tell us about it in the show notes for this episode, or you can send us a voice message through your computer or mobile device by clicking on the send a voice message link at the end of the show notes. You can also email us at feedback at drinksatthedoll.com or call our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223. I'm so glad you could join us for Drinks at the Doll. I'm Stephanie. Thank you so much for listening. Cheers. Cheers.